candles and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submitted to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord You may be seated. Well, I was going to start today with a joke that I actually brought some snakes and scorpions for us all to tread on. It's a Pentecostal thing, but I don't have snakes and scorpions, so I, don't, I didn't bring them today, but I did have a pet snake when I was a kid. I found a garden snake in our garden, and I put it in a bucket on my porch, and I learned how to pick it up. You know, you squeeze it like on the back of the head so it can't bite you. So I do have snake handling experience in true Pentecostal fashion, but we won't do that today. So you're all safe. Everyone go. Good. Story for John Leaf. That was a story for you. I don't know how funny it was, but it was, it was true. True story about my childhood for you all. Um, so in the story today, Jesus starts out by saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. <laughs> How depressing is that, right? It's like, not something people are lining up to join. Not something people are volunteering for. Jesus had to recruit 70 people who would be willing to do what he wanted them to do. And what he needed was for these 70 people, we don't know who they were, they're not mentioned by name, a lot of people think that some of the other disciples who were women that are spoken of in the scriptures were part of these 70. Uh, we don't know. All we know is that Jesus chose them and he paired them up. So there were 70 people and he sent them out two by two and they were to go into all of the different towns that Jesus was going to go to on, in his ministry. We just have a small slice of what Jesus did when he was here on earth. There were lots of places that he went to. There were many cities, and it was almost like he knew, I only have so much time. And for me to go to all these different places, it would be helpful if I sent some people ahead of me. So these, these 70 people, not sure who they were, 
But their job was to go to each different town and they were to get the people of that town ready for Jesus actually physically coming to their town. A lot of times this verse is used in, a very, in an evangelical way. Uh, so we're going to lean into our evangelical stream here today um, for missionaries, right? Sending out of missionaries, lots of missions conferences use this verse to talk about the harvest is plentiful, but the, the, the laborers are few. Um, many times at camp, there would be altar calls, and they'd use this verse. And lots of kids would you know, rush to the altar, crying. I wasn't one of those people. I don't know how I ended up here, frankly. I just don't know. <laughs> we were laughing at our, um, our training that we were at in Tulsa. Everyone, you know, you're going around the room, just explaining why you want to be a priest and uh, your, a little bit about your background. And I told them, I don't know, I have a film degree and I went to a state school. I didn't go to seminary, so I'm not sure. The Lord must have called me here because <laughs> I just don't have the right, you know, the right stuff. But so anyway, so lots of people use this verse when they're preaching about missions and evangelism and things like that. But it's really actually kind of starts out in a little bit of a depressing way because Jesus is saying there just aren't enough people. And then on top of that, he gives like a list of things that they're supposed to do, right? So where does he start? He starts with, oh, you can't bring anything with you. Okay. Um, you're going to be like sheep among wolves. And also, you, you just, you got to go quick. No planning. This is an urgent thing. You just, you're going. So I think that when we, when we look at these people who are willing to do this, we have to keep in mind that, first of all, packing light for us. This is another story. We just went to Tulsa. I counted up our suitcases and bags. We took three suitcases four backpacks, a snack bag, a cold bag for our water and drinks, a camera bag, an audio recorder, a, a bag with shoes, a toiletry bag, a laptop bag, a laundry basket with our pillows, because everyone needs to have their own pillow to sleep on, and for the hotel on the way there and the way back, a bag with pool toys for playing in the pool. So total, we had 16 bags. That does not count as packing light. But in this in this story, they had to travel light. No extra sandals, no extra shirt. I guess they were stinky, or they had to just rely on whoever when they got there to wash their clothes for them. But there was a reason for this, and the reason for this was because it was not only a test for the 70 disciples of their reliance on other people. It wasn't just a test for that, but it was a test when they got to the town. Because the people, when they got to the town... Whoever had a heart of compassion, who would welcome these people in, who would let them stay at their house, who would let them eat at their table with the rest of their family, the person in that town who would do that and who would offer that sort of hospitality, that was going to be the catalyst for the church and the group in that town. So that was going to be the person that the missionaries the disciples of those 70 disciples, missionaries if you want to call them that, they were going to train that person. 
And it is said that that person would be the nucleus for when Jesus came to help start the church in that town. So there was, a, there was an important reason for it. And these are lessons I think that we can still apply today. Are we relying on God? Are we willing to totally give ourselves to him and say, you know, I'm not going to, like in Galatians, it talks about being about ourselves. And if we sow self-centeredness, then we will reap that. But if we can sow humility, if we can sow hospitality and compassion, then that's what we'll reap. So I have a story, and I'm new at this. So I know you're not supposed to read. You're just supposed to say it. But I'm going to read it because I thought it was really good, and I just want to use her words. This is talking about, in Galatians, reaping the harvest. So there is a correlation between our text in Luke and our text in Galatians about reaping the harvest. And both also talk about, in Galatians, we hear the phrase, a new creation. A new creation is everything, Galatians 6.15 says. And in Luke, what do we hear? The kingdom of God has come near to you. A new creation the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? I know for, a, oh, it must have been maybe a year or two ago, but we did a, a study with the Dallas Willard's book, um, and it's called The Divine Conspiracy. If you haven't read the book, it's a great book. It's, it's like that, so it's a good summer reading book. Um, but in, in that book, I love Dallas Willard's definition of the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is God reigning. It is present wherever what God wants done is done. It is the range of God's effective will. God's reign is all around us and is from everlasting to everlasting. It is the natural home of the soul. The kingdom of God is immediately and directly accessible to us through Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God has come near you. They were supposed to declare this when they came into, into the town, into the person's house. The person who would welcome them was said to have, or um, excuse me, said to be a man of peace. And a man of peace in verse 9 is literally translated as a son of peace, expressing the person's character who would be open to the kingdom, which makes total sense why that would be the place where they should stay. Now, here's my story. This is going to focus on the harvest of Galatians. This is a story from Joyce Holiday. Last summer, my first in the country after 15 years of inner city living was the season of the priceless tomato. Despite a serious lack of experience, I decided to plant a garden I read up on gardening, and I talked with veteran gardeners and plunged in. I got seeds and seedlings, tools and tomato cages, truckloads of manure, and topsoil and lime. But I planted late, in a spot that wasn't sunny enough, and quickly lost interest in weeding. And then the goat got loose. I managed to salvage one scrawny tomato plant from the goat attack. I moved it to a pot on my very sunny porch, watered it regularly, 
and I kept a close watch. A few weeks later, I had one marvelous, plump, juicy red tomato. I calculated that that tomato cost me $42.87. Our scriptures today are about sowing and reaping. In the agricultural society of biblical times, these images were particularly rich with meaning. You cannot harvest what you have not planted. You receive only from which you have carefully watched and tended to. You reap only what you sow. Those who sow violence reap violence. Those who scatter peace, excuse me, those who scatter peace will find peace springing up all over. And those who water the earth with the tears of compassion will be embraced by a harvest of healing and love. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. So how does this relate to our lives today? Our lives are to be ordered under the kingdom of God, not ourselves. We should live lives in formation. We should be mindful. We should live into the fruit of the Spirit. We should cherish the Sermon on the Mount. We are to bring the kingdom of God with us wherever we go. And we are to be working for the spiritual and physical wholeness of all those around us. I feel like this is something that we do each month here with the Red Door Pantry. Um, Bishop Mike, when we were in Tulsa, he shared with us a story about the homeless. And he mentioned us, to us that this is actually a test of our compassion. It's just as much to help us as it is to help those when we reach out to the homeless in our community. And it is being just as concerned for the people in our community's physical health as it is for their spiritual well-being. We know that when the 70 disciples went into the towns, they did healings, right? And they cast out demons in his name. That's why they came back with such joy. They were so excited that, God had, that Jesus had given them the power to do these things. But here's the thing. Jesus kind of corrected them a little bit, right? They were excited. I think we would be excited. But what was the joy that he wanted them to focus on? That their names were written. So we shouldn't become proud in the things that we, we accomplish for Christ. We should never become proud about those things. We're called to do those things. And he empowers them to do that. But ultimately, we should just rejoice in the goodness of what God does, of who he is, what he's done. That's why we come at the end to the table. We don't end with the sermon here. We end with the table. Because it's not about what we are doing, but it's about what he did. It's about remembering that. And then we are sent, right? After we do that, then we're sent. Because our mission is for all of us out there in our sphere, in our circle of influence. As the 70 went into the towns and they found that one house, that would welcome them in, that would be hospitable. Let us all be that one house that is hospitable for the people around us. And like these disciples, when there's wolves and we're, and we're sheep, I think of, has anyone seen the, is it Liam Neeson? Is that how you say his name? I think it's called, oh, I wrote it down. 
The Gray. It's called The Gray. But at the end of the movie, he recites into the fray. Remember, he's got like the shards of bottles or whatever he has. It's his only thing. And then you just see the wolves around him and he repeats this poem. We have to be willing, right? We have to be willing to not be received. And that's okay. And we have to be willing to know that being a disciple of Jesus, it's not always going to be easy. When we do things like stand up for people and love people who, the church, I'm going to say this, when we start loving people and treating people as equals, and Jesus sent 70, the reason why they say it was 70 is because 70 represented what at the time were all the nations of the world, including Samaritans. So this is a message of unity. It's a message of equality. And he didn't say that where they went, it had to be a male Jew who practiced all the laws, who had done this, this, and this. That wasn't the prerequisite for these churches that were going to start in the towns. It was hospitality. It was being welcoming. How are we being welcoming? How are we practicing hospitality? Things to think about. I won't go too long. I'm almost done. I could go on. I've got lots of stuff. But I think I'll end with this question. Are we living with vulnerable dependence on God? And when has the kingdom of God come near to you? Let's just sit with that for a minute in a moment of silence before we go any further. Are we living with vulnerable dependence on God? And when has the kingdom of God come near to you? If we could all stand and say what we believe. We believe in God above us, maker and sustainer of life. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Commons podcast. You can find out more about us at our website, thesacredcommons.com. If you feel connected to this ministry in any way, we appreciate your support. We appreciate your partnership. It helps us continue to do this work in the city of Youngstown, where we are happy to be launching a new church plant. Finally, why don't you come and join us for a service? 323 Wick Avenue at the beautiful St. John's Episcopal Church. We meet in the chapel. Come and worship with us. We'd love to see you there. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.